As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. I looked, and there was war me, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led in his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting, that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. He will rule from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call his name blessed. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his hope. Of our joy and, and on Israel's hope for the coming Messiah, now our hope still remains in God's promise that Christ will return to restore his creation and glory. On the second Lord's day of Advent, we light the second purple candle to remind us that the Messiah was born to bring peace to the world as the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> In Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20 through chapter 9 verse 7 we read, To the teachings and, and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to his, this word, it has become that they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look, look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into the thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her of, who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious... <laughs> The way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, and the Galilee of all nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Israel waited for God's peace that was found in the Messiah Jesus Christ today. All who have faith in Christ are members of the household of God. We celebrate the peace of Jesus now, yet we also await. The integral peace that Jesus will bring with him in the new heavens, in the new earth, there will, no, there we 
will experience perfect shalom. Our New Testament scripture reading this morning is from 1 John, um, or John 1, chapter 1, 1 through 9. In your pew Bible, it's page 886. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, and that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now that we've heard the word read, let us stand and confess the Apostles' Creed. Church, what do you believe? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. It's a strange title. Christmas begins in the dark. Uh, that doesn't sound like a very happy thought, does it? And I'm going to reaffirm that to you in the next few minutes. Uh, and you're probably going to ask, why did I come this morning? We're going to hear about uh, the darkness this morning. But that's where Christmas begins. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the light. Uh, and uh, But if we're going to talk about the light, we've got to speak about this first. I took the title from Fleming Rutledge. She is an Episcopal priest and theologian and, and writer, uh, an evangelical. Um, and she's right on with this title. Christmas begins in the dark. There's a Christmas card that most of us would not want to send to our friends. They would not understand. It contains too much reality, and yet it does capture powerfully what Christmas is. It's like this. On the front of the card, we read the words, the day will dawn on us from on high. It comes from the passage that we read in Isaiah. It also comes from Luke's telling of the gospel. The day will dawn on us from on high. That, what a beautiful message. But when the car is opened, there's a black and white photograph of a dilapidated hovel 
that serves as someone's home. And in the shadow of the outside wall stands a little child in tattered clothing. Under the stark photograph, the rest of the verse from Luke and from Isaiah is recorded. To give light to those that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now, most of us don't want to be faced with that much reality, especially at Christmas. Yet that card captures, it really captures the true power and meaning of Christmas better than any card you'll receive this year. We want to receive cards with words like these. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Every year we hear those words over and over again in December. We hear them and we say, it must be Christmas. We hear them and we like them. They make us feel good. Those words indeed did speak of Jesus 700 years before he was born. But the truth is, those words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, were shouted out in the middle of severe suffering, horrific suffering, and extreme darkness in Israel. When Fleming Rutledge titled the cha a chapter in her book, Advent Begins in the Dark, she put the coming of Jesus in the right context. She understood the context of Isaiah 6 and 7. People, this message is crucial for us. In this place, in this place, In the church of all places, we must not let the gospel, the coming of Christ, shrink into something that is just sentimental, into meaningless drivel. If we are to see the incarnation, the coming of Christ, as it really was and is, we must understand the reality of the darkness to which he came. And that brings us to the first point. The message only has two points. The first one is long. The second one is very short. The gospel demands that Christians be realists about the darkness of the world. Look at Isaiah 8, 21 in your scripture sheets. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they're hungry, they will be enraged. And will speak contemptuously against their king and against their God. And turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth and see distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. That's the context 
of those words. For unto us a child is born. You say, well, what was happening, John? In Isaiah's day, Israel had been attacked by one of the most vicious nations in the world. They had been attacked by Syria. Assyria. The part of Israel that was affected most and affected the worst by this invasion from Assyria were the northern tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun. Just imagine, here's, here's Israel, up here's Assyria, and the two most northern tribes, Naphtali and Zebulun, had just been wiped out. They'd been conquered by Assyria, dominated by cruel, a cruel nation, a cruel army, dominated by Gentiles, enslaved by pagans. It was a dark time. Husbands and fathers slain. Women and children carried off into slavery. Cities obliterated. It was a dark time. Look at the words in verse 22. Distress, darkness, and gloom. Now, aren't you glad you came this morning? Isaiah did not sugarcoat the situation. He did not try to paint it better than it was. He said that the people would see darkness on every side and they would curse their king. What do we do when things go bad in the nation? We curse the president. We curse the political parties. We curse Congress. And then we start to curse God. That's what they did. It was from that situation, that darkness, that horrific darkness, that God began to speak to Isaiah about the Messiah and about the gospel. What a strange place. You look at it and you say, why would he suddenly start talking about a Messiah that was coming 700 years later? Why would he do that in the midst of this hideous evil? That's where the gospel always begins, people. With the darkness, with the sin. What was it that Matthew said that the angel said to Joseph? Remember, Joseph was going when he found out Mary was pregnant. He knew he wasn't a father. He was going to break the engagement. He was going to sever the contract. And God came to him. And he said, Joseph, that's which is born of her. It's from God. And you will give him the name Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Why give him that name? Because he will save his people from their sin. It begins with the sin. He's coming to save people from their sin. Sin is not light. Sin is darkness. Christmas begins in the darkness. You can't understand why Jesus came unless you understand the sin, unless you understand the darkness. Listen to the apostle John who spoke about his birth. He didn't talk about shepherds and angels. It was a very theological approach. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and was God. What did he say in, in John 1, 9? The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The world was dark, and here comes the light. How did Paul describe Jesus coming to his life? Look at Colossians 1, 13 on your scripture sheet. He, who's he, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain, from the kingdom of darkness. That's what Jesus came. He came into a kingdom of darkness to deliver us from that darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
Paul lived in darkness in his own soul and the darkness of the world until Jesus arrived. So often the world says to us, don't they? You hear this. The world says, you Christians are goody two shoes. You, you all wear rose colored glasses when you look at the world. No. Of all the people in the world that don't wear rose-colored glasses, it's Christians. I'm sometimes amused when a businessman talks to me. He says, John, you don't know the world I live in. He said, you wear rose-colored glasses. He said, you're a minister after all. You don't know the world that I see. I just laughed and I said, you come spend a week with me. You want to hear the underbelly of the evil in this world? Just... Come here, what I hear. We don't wear rose-colored glasses. We don't look at our own souls with naivety. We don't look at our own souls and talk about our goodness. Bob Dylan, some of you are so young, you don't know anything about it. Do you remember him? You're smiling. Did, David, do you remember Bob Dylan? Really? Okay. Bob Dylan's an old man like me now. But <clears throat> during the Cuban Missile Crisis, as Russia and the United States faced off, there was a darkness across the land. I was in college. Everyone thought we were on the brink of a nuclear holocaust, and we were. Dylan, I think he was in New York. At that time, in those hours wrote a song entitled, A Hard Rain is Gonna Fall. One of the verses goes like this. Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? Oh, where have you been, my darling young one? I've stumbled, and the answer comes, I've stumbled on the side of 12 misty mountains. I've walked and I've crawled on six crooked highways. And then he says this. I've stepped in the middle of seven sad forests. I've been out in front of a dozen dead oceans. I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain that's going to fall. Every time I hear that song, I think back to when I heard it for the first time. I had to say, Bob Dylan, you've got the same view of what's happening in the world as Isaiah and Jeremiah in Jesus. We live in a dark world. 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard. Now what's the answer to this horrific darkness then? Isaiah said that even the answers that the world gives are dark. The world tries to answer the darkness. Look at verse 19. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers, who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to the word, it is because they have no dawn. Isaiah pictured the people, and they were going to the necromancers, those who worship death, into the mediums, to the witches, looking for answers. They weren't looking into God's word, which they had. And Isaiah was saying, what did he say about them? 
He said, they have no dawn. If they will not speak according to the word, it's because they have no dawn. They have no light. Even their answers are dark. How do you answer this dominating monolithic rule of darkness? How do you do that? Do you say sentimentally, well, you know, the world's getting better. As if the answer lies in our own humanity. People, oh, I must be honest. There's not a shred of historical evidence that the world is getting better. Oh, you can say, well, think about transportation. We fly planes. We travel like we never have. The technology we have could not even have been imagined a hundred years ago. Well, let me ask you a question. What is that technology? What is all that flying? What has it done to the evil in the world? Has it somehow answered the evil, the darkness? People, we have just come through a century. The 20th century will go down in history as the century where the greatest advancement was made by far of any other century before. And yet in that century, more people were killed in war. A hundred million people were killed in wars. Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini, Mao, Amin, marched and plundered and murdered. How can you say the world is getting better when educated Sophisticated women of the twentieth in the of the twenty first century, who are citizens of the greatest nation that's ever been on the face of the earth, these women fight for the right to kill unborn children. Will fight for the right to kill unborn children. I mentioned Bob Dylan. A few minutes ago. In 1985, there was a live aid concert. Those of you who are my age can remember this. It was anchored in Wembley Stadium in London and in JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Celebrities, singers from all over the world gathered in those locations and then locations in Asia. It was a simultaneous thing. This was the viewing audience was 1.9 billion people. There was an awful famine. People were starving to death in Ethiopia. And these well-meaning celebrities and stars said, we're going to focus, bring focus on that and end that suffering in Ethiopia. Live aid concert. And they wrote a song for it. You remember it? We are the world. We are the people. We are the ones to bring a better world. It was sung all over the place in 1985. We are the world. We are the people. We are the ones. We're going to do it. We're going to bring in a better world. Bob Dylan was singing on stage in that concert. And he looked uncomfortable as he sang those words. We are the world. 
We're the ones to bring a better world. And it was noticed. And he was asked, why were you so uncomfortable singing in the middle of that? It was just glorious. It was wonderful. And he answered verbatim, because the song is not true. Humankind cannot save itself. The world cannot save itself. He was saying there is no answer. We hadn't got the answer. Hemingway said, I'll answer the darkness. Eat, drink, and be merry, and then kill yourself. When you can't pleasure yourself anymore with sex, food, and wine, then just die. And that's what he did. Bertrand Russell, the mathematician, philosopher, atheist, held the existentialist feet to the fire. He would not let them get away with superficial answers. They said there was no God. 37 years ago, I copied this from one of his books. Someday the sun will grow cold and life on earth will cease. The whole epoch of animals and plants is only an interlude between ages that are too hot and ages that will be too cold. There's no law of cosmic progress, but only an oscillation upward and downward with a slow trend downward. And then he said this. So far as our present knowledge shows, no ultimately optimistic philosophy can be validly inferred. What was he saying? There are no answers. Not to the darkness. In Israel, in Isaiah's day, conquered, beaten, Slavery. They sacrificed their children. They adopted the Assyrian god Moloch. And they sacrificed their children to Moloch. They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. When they look to themselves for answers. It just grew darker. You go to the beginning of the gospel. It demands that Christians be realists about the darkness of this world. That's where Christmas begins. Second, and this is short, the gospel demands that Christians be realists about the power of the gospel against the darkness. Look in Isaiah 9.1, and here the message gets better, so look up, listen. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land of the Jordan, the Galilee of the nations. Here's this awful gloom that ends the 8th chapter. But with the beginning of chapter 9, but, the NIV says, nevertheless, in spite of the power of darkness, nevertheless, there will be no gloom for her who was in such anguish. Why? Isaiah, why will there be no gloom? What's What's the answer to this darkness? We've already said Naphtali and Zebulun, they were the two tribes 
the two provinces that were most affected by the Assyrians, where the darkness fell so thick and so heavy. Do you know, do you know in the New Testament what the area of Zebulun and Naphtali is called? It's called Galilee. It's called Galilee. Where? You find the city of Nazareth. Where you find the city of Capernaum. Nazareth where Jesus was raised. Capernaum where he went to live the first part of his ministry. They're right in the middle of that. That is where Jesus began and spent the longest time in his ministry. So in this immense darkness in Isaiah's day. A darkness that would be equivalent to the concentration camps of Hitler's Germany, in the middle of that darkness, God told Isaiah, there's an answer coming. There's a light coming. The day is going to dawn like it's never dawned. And the sun is going to shine. And it never has before. Where the darkness was so thick, From there, that's where the Messiah would begin. John said it this way, and we'll close with this. Next week, we're going to talk about this light in detail. But this morning, we'll close with John 1, verse 5. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, those of you who live, you know, learned from the King James Version. The King James Version said, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word is not comprehend. That word is overcome. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness in its fight against the light cannot overcome the light. Wow. Do you believe that? Most Christians don't. Most Christians believe in the inevitability of darkness. Not since the light has come. There's an ancient allegory for children, but it's meant more to me as an adult than it ever did when I was a child. One time there was a cave who lived deep underground. He had spent his lifetime in darkness. That's all he knew, darkness. One day, the sun shouted down to the cave said, come up and see the light. I'm going to show you something you've never seen. Come to my sunshine. The cave was hesitant. But finally creeped out into the sunshine. He saw the light. Everywhere was light. He was blinded. The cave said to the sun, you've never seen darkness. Come down to my cave. Come down and see the darkness. So the sun went down to the cave, entered the cave, looked at the cave and said, where's the darkness? There was no darkness because the sun was present. Everything was light. And the darkness has not overcome it.
Go back to that Christmas card. You'll never understand this. Unless you understand that card. You know, this year we're buying presents and gifts for kids in Fayette County that don't have anything, that don't have enough food, don't have toys. We're buying all of that. Do you know there's a reason we do that? There's a reason we do that. And it's not so we can feel good. You see, you'll never understand that card until you understand that you're the child in tattered clothes outside the, in the shadow of that hovel. That's not somebody else. That was us. That's us before Jesus came.